listening to the Dudes and Dads podcast, a show dedicated to helping men be better dudes and dads by building community through meaningful conversation and storytelling. And now, here are your hosts, Joel DeMott and Andy Lehman. Joel, it is so good to be back in studio. We had to skip last episode. Yeah. Uh, we were both just so busy with family, and that's okay because that's what this show's about is family. So, 100%. Andy, I got to say, you look rested. <sighs> I think you so. You look well. <laughs> Have you been out in nature? Uh, I've been outside. Good. I don't know about nature. If but. any of you have been following, uh, Andy and his uh, eldest son, Micah, have been doing some outdoorsy stuff. Yeah, Micah actually has a YouTube channel called Survive It, and I'll yes, link that in the show notes. You but, should. Um, Are you wearing his swag right now, no, too? It looks no, similar. No, it looks similar, but it's not. Yeah, Micah's um, got swag. He's got some shirts. Yeah, so uh, we've been doing some shows and episodes on on producing that stuff about surviving and um, hammocking and things like that. So. Yeah, I enjoyed the double decker hammock situation that you had going on, <laughs> and it really inspired yeah, me. So it was, it was fun. That's you good. A, you should get a hammock. Yeah. Uh, as for us, uh, some of you may have seen we were uh, up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and uh, doing some camping up there, and uh, we had a couple of rough weather days while we were up there, and that inspired my uh, six installments. If any of you saw it. <laughs> well, yeah, but it was amazing. They you were you appreciated my six, I, my six installments of fake Michigan history. Um, <laughs> and this, I don't know if this is a commentary on where we are as a society. When I came back here to Indiana, I had several like pretty deep level conversations <laughs> about. Uh, so how much of that was true and how much of it was false? And you're like, absolutely none of it. Yeah, I, I, I said the only <laughs> thing that was accurate were the occasional date and a name that I maybe inserted in there that was like <laughs> from somebody from the area or the time. Uh, and uh, but it was a lot of fun. And so now I have uh, I have a, I have requests for more. <laughs> I, I've, I've kind of regret it now because people are like, you need to start doing fake histories on other, other well, places. I'll, I'll be honest, though, like when I was watching them, I was like, is that real or not? Right. Like, it was so. Yeah. You did a very good job, and those of you who are not friends with Joel on Facebook, do it. Let's become, let's fix that. Yeah, become sure. friends because he is those there, and it was amazing. <laughs> but hey, Joel, I have a question for you. Yeah. Hey, man, what's brewing? What's brewing? Hey, we what have is brewing? we have a new uh, intro there for that, that one. That we'll was be... Josiah introing our yeah, my son Josiah did an excellent job. Josiah's actually hanging out with us tonight. He's in the listening. room, He's listening but in. What yeah. is brewing, Joel? For those of you who don't know, we drink coffee during this show normally, and we also talk about kind of what's going on in our life. So, what's brewing? What's brewing with me, Andy, is uh, we are preparing for another another getaway with my side of the family on beautiful Lake Michigan here in a little while. Are you going to be doing fake news? Oh, you know what? I hadn't even considered. Do well, it. I guess next you you heard it here first, folks. Next installments are coming at you, uh, but we're going to be up uh, north of Holland, between Holland and Grand Haven, uh, spending a week. And let's see, we got baseball going on. We're coming on to the All Star season here sooner than later, uh, and then some travel ball stuff with my eldest son. So that's good. Base baseball and and Andy Major League Baseball is about ready to begin, and it's not going to be the same. I know you don't even really care about baseball. I don't. I don't. But for me, there is a there's a level <laughs> there's a level of joy and excitement. Even if the even if there are no fans, the fact that I get to see baseball is good. So uh, I am just in the midst of obviously what has been a challenging season for so many yeah, people. Absolutely. These are things that I am holding on to and saying I am enjoying them. They are good. They are life giving and. And that's what I would encourage everybody to do. Look for the look for the things that are the life-giving, uh, are things. life-giving things. So, uh, yes. 
So with that, we're, you and I are not currently don't have a cup in front of us. Quite honestly, it was 83 degrees in the studio when we got here, and it's cooling down now. I wasn't in the coffee mood, but our guest this evening is also a coffee drinker. He, he is, and so why don't you introduce our guest? Tonight? I will. I will. So with us this evening, we have uh, Dr. John Swanson, who uh, is well. How should I say this? John was was recommended to me. It makes him sound like he was, he's like a <laughs> medical doctor. He's, yeah. Yeah. John was recommended to me when he was going to prescribe me something. Um, uh, mutual friend that we have years ago. Uh, John has held uh, many roles. He is currently a staff chaplain at Parkview Health in Fort Wayne. And and John, you aren't the main hospital. Like, it's like the main hospital, right? Am I right? Right. Yep. Right. Parkview Regional. Yes. And so you've served as a, as a staff chaplain there. We're a little over the four year mark, if I am yep. correct. Yes. Exactly. And yeah. And so, but previous, he's also the senior a senior consultant at Arbor Research Group, which means he does fancy researchy things. And then uh, he can tell us more about that later. Has <laughs> uh, previously served as an executive pastor, um, also in the Fort Wayne area for several years. And uh, is he's a solid dude. He's also a dad. Uh, you and your wife have been married for how many years now, John? Um, I always say since 83. You would say the same. I have to remember the number. <laughs> I would say since. <laughs> I like that. I might have to take a I better approach. I think I just, I learned yeah. something. I have been married since. That's beautiful. Uh, that's good. Uh, but we wanted to have, uh, John on the show, obviously for many, just many reasons. Uh, he's recently published another book that I think is, uh, is going to be helpful, but uh, John, also you you do have a cup in front of you right now. You're you're drinking some coffee, and he's done a special blend. What what are you drinking here, John? Um, it's two thirds um, Starbucks House Blend decaf and one third um, Morning Joe Starbucks, gotcha. which used to be Starbucks Gold Coast. Gotcha. So, oh, um, that's they changed it. Yeah, they did, and oh. it's French pressed. So gotcha. That makes it fancier. And, uh, and, and I will say there's to the two thirds and one third, there's a, he's taking the edge off a little bit with a decaf, but he's just got, he still has just a little, little bit, bit of, of something. That, in yeah. There. That's good. Exactly. Good, good. Well, John, I, uh, you know, this is, uh, there's so many things when we were thinking through what we could talk about tonight. I do want to begin with a conversation, um, about your most recently published book and, uh, kind of dive into that a little bit. Um, and then uh, there's other things we can talk about beyond there, uh, because I just think, as we discussed beforehand, there's um, for any of you who have ever been in the hospital or been in uh, under like you've engaged with a a chaplain, um, that experience could have been. I mean, usually if a chaplain is in the room, it's because something serious is going right. on. Right. Um <laughs> And then that that can have a variety of contexts, but there seems to be a lot of uh, of mystery about chaplaincy, about what it is you guys do, because there's a lot of components to it. But then there's also, I think, uh, a, some unique perspective that chaplains uh, have, and so we want to, uh, I think, dive into some of that too. But before we do, John, you've just released this book. It is available on the Amazon and Kindle, and all of which thank thank goodness for the Kindle because I was able to read it uh, read some of it ahead of time. Uh, Give us the title, all the good stuff. Just give us the info about the book, and then uh, I've got some questions I want to ask you about it. Um, it's called God, We Need You, A Year of Prayer in a Hospital Chapel. And uh, I do the service, Sunday morning service in our chapel um, every week. And so about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I started 
I moved from extemporaneous prayer into um, a more formal written prayer uh, through the um, year C of the lectionary. So it starts with Advent and then it goes through the Sunday after um, Thanksgiving, um, Christ the King Sunday. Um, and so I had shared those prayers um, in the chapel, shared them on 300wordsaday.com, which is my um, one of my websites. And I realized that um, it was probably worth gathering those prayers together um, and sharing that with people. Because lots of times we need, um, we need training wheels. We need to know what's allowable to say to God. Um, and so um, that's part of the reason for, for doing that. Now, the thing, so you mentioned this um written down versus extemp, you know, this extemporaneous prayer versus the two. And you, you talk about that, uh, to a certain degree in the, in the opening of the book. Um, obviously the tradition that we, that kind of, we all come from and the lower church tradition and, um, that sort of thing. There is, there's a value for spontaneity in our prayer. And, and my guess is that there, it feels for some people, and I want to just kind of be clear when we're talking about this, the written down and there's a written down and prepared way to have a prayer and in front of you. And then it can follow the lectionary or a a prayer schedule of some sort. And then this is a sort of prayer that maybe many of us are familiar with that we do like around at the dinner table or, or whatever, but even that can be uh, maybe (laughs) feel slightly prepared. I've been in some households where it's the same, it's the same prayer every night. Um, So I know my tradition tends to probably lift up, lift up the uh, spontaneous prayer to a certain degree as maybe being more, I don't know, more authentic or transparent or, or something of that nature and, and maybe can uh, downplay the importance or the role that a, that a, a lectionary or a prepared uh, prayer can have. I'm wondering what your experience has been in your journey. I mean, cause you, you have a foot in kind of both worlds now and you've obviously you've written a prayer book. What? What do you, what are the pros and the cons to both? Like, what would you see as, uh, if you needed to make a defense, I guess, for both ways of praying spontaneous and written out, what would you say you see the advantages of both? And then maybe where are some of the pitfalls or, uh, challenges that, that lie on both forms of prayer as well? Um, probably the starting point is to think in terms of context. So what's happening in this situation. Um, Because uh, if we consider prayer as being conversation with God, um, in the same way that we have conversations with other people, um, context is going to determine how we we decide what we're going to say. And so, if we we look at the Gospels and we say, so, prayer is conversation with God, and Jesus God, then every stupid thing the disciples said to Jesus is prayer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all of the spontaneous things that they did, and every time in worship they read the Psalms, which are um, liturgical prayers finally polished across generations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you have even among the disciples both the spontaneous kind of interaction with God and the structured liturgical prayers that 
that provide that guidance. So it's what's the context of those situations. Um, now, for for why I started doing written prayers, um, I start my shift on Sundays at eight o'clock. There's a there's another chaplain that's in. It starts at seven. I start at eight. So there are two of us there at ten thirty when there's the service. However, I have no idea what's going to be happening before I have to stand in front of the camera and whoever might be in the room and pray. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it could be that um, I have been to a stroke. It could be that I have watched somebody die. It could be that we've been trying to find family information to get a hold. So all of those things that, that we do in chaplaincy, and we can talk about that later. Um, so I come from all of that potential chaos that I can't predict into this moment and I can be spontaneous in those moments, but it doesn't, that, that moment doesn't allow me um, to think about what was in the texts that we just read, um, some of which are, are um, saying things to God and saying things to each other about what we want to say to God. And so, um, I realized that I would help myself be able to focus if I started to write. Okay, so, um, oh, go ahead. Go, Sorry. Nope. I was going to say, so, so let's kind of walk through some of these prayers that you, like, let's, for instance, on a Sunday morning, uh, tell me a little bit about what that looks like, the structure of that prayer that you write down ahead of time. Is it, it can you just tell us a little bit about that? About the process? Yeah, uh, but the process you go for, for, for writing a prayer. Um, so before I pray every Sunday, this is what's nice about being predictable. I know the two texts that I'm going to mm -hmm. read. Um, and actually one of the Psalms and then an Old Testament reading and a reading from the epistles. I also know the kinds of conversations that I've had with people in the hospital during the week before that. Gotcha. I also know what's happening in the world before that. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes in the Facebook feed, sometimes. And I also know what's happening in my own heart. Mm -hmm. um, and I know what's happening in the lives of people around me. And so... Um, on Saturday night, because I usually write those on um, sometime on Saturday, I sit down with the texts of the scripture that we're going to read, the text of my conversations with people during that week, the text of um, my own heart, the texts of what's going on in the life of my friends, um, so that I can, in that moment, approach God and say, um, here's what we're struggling with as we look at, at the proclamations of the texts. Here's the places where we're falling short. Uh, and so I realized that having something confessional is not a bad thing to have. Um, and then um, um, to be able to say, um, God, here's the kind of help that we need um, in this moment. So um, there's always almost always confession. There's almost always an acknowledgement of where are we right now. Um, and there is my work in the hospital has made platitudes much more difficult to say. So when I know that on this Sunday morning, there may be somebody miscarrying that I just had a conversation with, it changes how happy I am in mm -hmm. the words that I'm speaking to God on behalf of this building of 400 some beds and families and all those networks. Uh, and so for me, it's a, um, 
it's funny, I'm probably more honest rather than less honest um, by writing as opposed to extemporaneous. On the other hand, um, I'm regularly talking with people and praying for them and with them um, in the moment of whatever. So, but for this, because I'm, because I'm representing us and myself in this context before God, um, that's, that's how it works, pulling those pieces together. Yeah. That's, that's really helpful. And something that caught my attention when you said, because I think this applies to other people, you don't know the chaos or the circumstances that will be surrounding you going in. So if you have planned something ahead of time, if you have prepared something ahead of time, that might be the most helpful way to, to respond and to, to engage in the midst of all the rest of the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And, and I just wonder for so many of us as we, in our, in our spiritual lives, um, if we might accomplish, I don't know if accomplish is the right word. Um, well, if we might experience or encounter some things that we, we would not have otherwise encountered or been open to if we wrote, wrote prayer out, if we, mm-hmm. if we journaled prayer, you know, and, um, and, and so I just, it's an interesting idea. The, I mean, John, do you feel like my, my senses, and I wonder what you, what you think about when you think about, um, creativity in prayer, um, kind of engaging, uh, a more, yeah, I just, a, a creative approach. I mean, from your perspective, uh, are, are our prayers, uh, are they very interesting? I mean, <laughs> you know, like, cause you said like the platitudes and things like that, we, we can easily default, I guess, in our conversation, in our conversations with each other. And certainly with God, we can default to some of this rote conversation or wrote things that we, we we reply to or whatever in it. And I just wonder, is there, is there more space for thinking about, because even as you said earlier, everything the disciples said, if we're taking a broader perspective on prayer and our definitions are broadening was prayer, which I was deeply troubled when you said that. I was like, that made, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've considered that. Right. Um, so what about, I mean, what about creativity and prayer? What about expanding our definitions a little bit? I mean, is there, is there room for that? Um, <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier and realizing that y'all are way better trained theologians than I am. <laughs> However, um, I've got more degrees in communication than you do. (laughs) Yes. Um, And so, much of how I think about our interaction with God um, stems not from a theology course, but from um, communication, persuasion, um, creation of meaning, which is um, what my discipline of rhetoric is. Um, And so, when I come to prayer, um, I'm thinking about it in terms of interaction, in terms of not creating formulas and throwing, but um, but how do we interact? So, um, so some consistency is okay. It is perfectly acceptable for me to say to Nancy, um, even after having been married since '83, I love you, and to use those exact words 
thousands of times over mm. these years. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to say, no, 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 you need to be more creative about his. No, 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 no. <laughs> I love you is perfectly acceptable. <laughs> um, I think too often, though, we can start worrying more about creativity um, and less about honesty. Mm. So, as we're thinking about um, honesty in interaction with God, um, go back to to your uncomfortableness with with um, that statement about it counting as prayer. Um, part of the uncomfortableness with that is we can't believe that those kinds of things would count as prayer. And so often when we think about creativity, think about um, how how many of the names of God can we include over a season of prayer because we just did a sermon series on um, there's this name and this name and this name. So we've got to weave that into our prayer and say it and um, and whatever, rather than saying, oh, God, mm-hmm. that piece of me, um, that's just not working. Um, I went for a long stretch of actually writing my own prayers because my brain races. Mm-hmm. So first thing in the morning when I would sit down, my praying would happen in writing because it was the only way I could slow my thinking down enough to be able to interact with God. However, as I was writing, I would realize, oh, I didn't know I thought that. Oh, yeah. Um, and so even, um, even as we think about this conversation, we had a sense of a couple of things that we wanted to talk about. But we really didn't have any idea exactly where it was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I say things and you go, oh, and you say things and it's like, oh, this is really helpful to think <laughs> this through because I haven't had to explain this before. Well, if in fact, praying involves a component of that kind of interaction, then then we're going to have, it's going to look like creativity, but it's not creativity for creativity's sake. It's authenticity. It's going into parts of our thinking that we never thought about. Um, so. In our prayer, I mean, if we were able to say, is, is the, is the goal authenticity? I mean, to your mind, is that, is that what we're aiming for? Um, okay, this is going to sound really churchy, and I hate sounding <laughs> churchy. Um, I think the goal of prayer is um, relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, there's a component of relationship that's authenticity, but authenticity is never the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, just like creativity is never the goal, connection, relationship is what the goal is. Becoming more like Christ is what the goal is. Um, understanding, um, yeah, sorry. So it's, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, yeah, I, and, I, and I'm speaking as somebody who obviously works with youth and young adults who seem very preoccupied with saying the right, th- you know, saying the right thing or being being uh, and I'll just be honest with you and I talk with a lot of other youth leaders um so there's a the, number one there's a gender component to this too and maybe a maturity thing but like John I'll tell you I have struggled and struggled and struggled in like group settings of like 10 or more students to have students pray aloud for instance um and and there there is such a and, and I get it it's very difficult for them to check 
all of their well it's it's goes back to like the you know the, the instagramness of our society now we we can you know put a filter on it and edit it three or four times before we actually send it off for the world to see and your mm-hmm. your students can't do that when they're praying aloud they can't take it back yeah yeah and i i wonder i mean john if you were if i were coming to you and i was seeking uh some some technical prayer counsel and i was like okay john how do i help a group of people uh, that are like that are in community with each other. That are in community with each other. That are that are, in this particular case that are Jesus followers or most are Jesus followers, but they're really they're really caught up on on praying in front of each other or you know, having any sort of out loud you know praying out loud for one another component. What what can I do? Because because this this because our audience is is parents as well and and parents have these concerns too like in their 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 child's you know spiritual development. What are things that we can do to maybe help facilitate uh, prayer, to help encourage prayer, to because uh, for me it's like okay if there's any if there's any uh, hurdles that I'm putting up unknowingly i want i want to remove those um and i really want so much as a pastor i mean i want anybody to in a deeper prayer life you will never lose you will never lose with a deeper prayer life like there's there is so what do you think what are yeah what am i doing wrong john no (laughs) how can how can we help how can we help our young people how can we help those that are that are, are a little bit scared of prayer, maybe uh, even even in the the one on one setting or group setting or even maybe individually. If um, if we we're sitting in the right same room, there would be a whiteboard right now. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> a list of stuff. Beautiful. Because I started a list of the things so that I remember what my thoughts are. Um, so I I've got four of them right now, but. Um, one of the questions is, why are you so worried about people praying out loud in front of each other? Mm-hmm. See, we, we create this performance expectation. Um, so if, um, if the measure of our faith in God is our ability to pray out loud in front of other people, what we just did is we made it incredibly hard for the introverts. Mm-hmm. And we said, you've got to learn how to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whole worrying about getting it right is a performance thing. And now we just created performance anxiety, speech anxiety about prayer, um, which adds a level that's just like, wait, what did we just do? Right. Um, so a, a second thing in relation to that is what is our picture of who God is? So if our picture of who God is, is somebody that we've got to get the formulas exactly right for, well, then... Um, then that creates that other thing of um, of expectations and fear and what if I get the words wrong? What if I use the wrong start? Um, when um, all of the prayers in this book start with God, period. And um, one of my bosses said, um, who had read it through, um, and this book is part of a series of books with him, um, he said, you might want to explain why you're doing that. Um, and I realized that um, I do that because God is not troubled by getting all the words right in the address part. Mm. Um, so, 
Um, and, and a way to understand that is a thing that I did in class one day. I was teaching spiritual formation. I think it's, it's where I did it, or a man's Bible study. And I just looked around the room and I said, so, who's your favorite member of the Trinity? <laughs> it's like, oh, what do I do with that question? Because yeah. it's, it's like, if I pick the wrong one, the others are going to be mad at me. You know? um, but, but when we started thinking in those terms, it's like, oh, wait, yeah, there is personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, we could say, father, I have a really hard time talking to you mm-hmm. because, um, cause I know people who have horrible experiences with fathers. And so I have no idea when I'm talking to other people, talking to you in front of other people, how to talk to you. So if it's okay with you, can I talk to the spirit since you're God? I mean, now step back. What I just said was praying. So I was actually talking to God about how to talk to God. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be the third thing. So why do we? Why are we worrying about the performance part? Second is what's the picture of God that we're painting, um, um, and then whatever that third thing was um, of broadening our scope of what it means to have conversation with God. I um, I am actually willing. Um, when I'm at bedside, and I've done this in other contexts, but when I'm at bedside praying with somebody, to look at them and say, wait, what was your name again? In the middle of praying. Mm. And it's like, <gasps> yeah, yeah. But what I, what I want is for them to have a picture that, that, um, that God's open to those kinds of interactions. Yeah. We are not going to get punished for not having it right. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, as you know, with your kids, the worst thing is not that they call you by the wrong name the worst thing is that they don't talk to you at all Mm -hmm. right yeah Um, and so you're willing to have conversation you're willing for them to say things wrong um and to provide but um if you across time i mean if you started setting up barriers to say no you have to say it exactly this way across time your kids are going to stop talking to you yeah Um, and so i think that that god's incredibly open to to um to multiple ways of talking with him. Um, I think another piece is, uh, I think that this is where written prayers could be helpful. So in a, in a group kind of setting to say, let's read this together. Because what it's doing is it's putting into words, um, it's putting into um, to being able to hear um, some thoughts. Um, so it's taking the thoughts, putting them into words, and then allowing it to, to be heard. Uh, and it gives people those models. Um, so that's some things. Yeah. Um, and, and here's the reality, Joel. I bet you're doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you, absolutely. Well, because the deal is, is that you're, like you said, the litmus test is not whether they can pray out loud. Uh, the, the desire when they're in any, in any student's growth is, <clears throat> are they demonstrating fruit of the spirit? Are there, is there transformation happening in their life at whatever rate that might be happening or however they're in, you know, encountering Jesus. And just because they can, I don't know, I've heard plenty of students. I mean, and this is, I shouldn't really, I shouldn't relegate it to students only. I've heard plenty of people that can pray out loud just fine. And then you find out later in some way or another that their relationship with God was deeply troubled or, or, something was you know there there were major things going on and that basically their their 
expressed life was a was a facade or a, a safeguard against other you know other things and so um oh absolutely because because yeah. what happened is they they learned the performance part yeah so we're able to play the part of good christian um and that's enough i mean obviously it's not but for being accepted in circles that's enough yeah um yeah so what I'm saying is uh, all of you need to be aware of the good prayer in your family. I think that's really <laughs> what we've concluded. <laughs> be, be, be on the lookout. For, no. Uh, so, uh, John, I'm, I, and I will say I'm super excited. Uh, our church staff here, my plan is uh, to share your book with all of them as we prepare for Advent. I'm so grateful the book came out when it did as we're looking at because we're able to sort of prayerfully think about uh you know, us church people, we're thinking about Christmas already. You know, we're thinking about <laughs> Advent already and uh, what, it, what it could be. But something that struck me, John, is some of the early, the, at the, the very first prayers and entering the Advent season, uh, this year in particular, I think we're so fitting for what we are going through as a, as a, as a country right now, as a, as a culture. Um, and that just struck, I was like, I'm sitting there reading. I, I should. I was reading it at my uh, my kids were. I was at my in laws' house. My kids were out in the pool uh, with with the rest of them. I'm sitting on their couch, and I am I am having like a pretty a pretty like I was I was just I was deeply confronted by the words I guess uh, of of these prayers in thinking about praying them in in the Advent season as we are entering in some very uncertain territory here as we're trying to get schools back online and we're trying to do these sort of things. And I was, and I just thought to myself, uh, if, if the kind of, if we're, if we almost could be, I guess, put this, put this way, we should probably be praying Advent prayers right now is what, is what it, is what it felt like. Um, there, there, so what I appreciate about the book is that you have, you're following a schedule, but then you're also in the titles, you say, Hey, it's for this particular reading, but also for instances where you're feeling this way or where if you're working through disappointment or you know you know these sort of things is it seems to me that that's kind of the beauty of the whatever you want to call it the lectionary any sort of scheduled reading is the prayers are not isolated to those particular instances but they can speak to different places different times um and so there's I, yeah, I guess I just, I felt like, boy, I know I'm, this is for Advent, but boy, is it really deeply impacting me in this moment as I'm thinking about what's going on now and what may be going on in the future as well. Does that make, does that make sense? I, I just thought that was a really well, interesting component about, about the prayer, I guess. So it, it makes complete sense. Um, as we're recording this tomorrow, um, what the post for my 300 words a day blog um, is a prayer that I wrote for um, hmm, I can't remember if it's Epiphany or Lent um, but as I was reading through I thought oh well this just makes a ton of sense for right now and um, I think that that um, that's a secret of um, Oh, this is terrible. I was going to say, that's a secret of good written prayers, but I realized, <laughs> well, that's just awful. Um, <laughs> that's a yeah. I, I think the secret of honest praying wherever it happens is that it actually has a timelessness um, mm. 
as it connects with God and scripture. So, so let me, let me ask you this a little bit. Do you either you or you, Joel or John, have, when you were reading lectionary type prayers, written down prayers, do you guys have trouble making that personal or, or do you have any advice on how to make that personal? If it's a, if, if it's a prayer that you yourself did not write, if it's you're reading it out of a book, how do you make that personal to yourself? Either one of you can answer that. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, what do you think, John? Well, I wrote all these, so I don't know how to answer <laughs> that. <laughs> how that said, um, a way to personalize it is to actually read it two or three times so that it allows to work into your heart. Um, because that's what we say about reading scripture. Mm-hmm. So as you read um, any of the Psalms that are um, God word Psalms, so it's a prayer. Um, as you read through um, Nehemiah, um, there's this massive delight, not delightful, um, well crafted confessional prayer in the middle of the book of Nehemiah um, that's saying, God, here's what you did, here's what you did, here's what you did, here's what you did, here's what we did, here's what we did, here's what we did. And it ends with, um, you did all this, and now here we are in the land you promised us, slaves of somebody else. Um, and um, to read that enough that it begins to represent my heart um, is a way to address that. So it's it's possible just to read it as rote reading, um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I think um, because in public prayer from the front, or I mean, um, whether it's geographically from the front or the back, but in that role of leading, mm-hmm. um, our job is to um, to be praying on behalf of, to be leading people into, to be representing. And so we've got to have that ownership of it in our hearts um, as well. And I think that that as we do that, so as we read it two or three times, as we let it work into us, um, there begins to be that ownership. Sure. Yeah. Like I, I mean, and some of these just are immediately to your point, Andy, like, so uh, a prayer for, so this is from John's book, a prayer for the second Sunday of Advent, God. I am supposed to have answers and clarity and direction. I am supposed to offer structure and encouragement and order. I am supposed to, and I cannot. Or better, at the moment, in this moment, I have few words, little clarity. If that is not my life right now, <laughs> if, if that is not, I, so, and, and quite honestly, I hope it's not my life in November. I hope it's not my life in uh, whatever date the, the second the second Sunday of Advent falls on. But uh, so so some of these things, um, I don't know. I think if we're just honest and real, there is an there is an application. There is an immediate personalizing. Um, because some because some of the things in there it's like i i naturally in my spirit like depending on how i was the mood i was in when i was encountering them i want to distance myself from the words because they are they are too close to home they are um and i think that's what probably elicited a lot of the emotion that i was experiencing you know these these words of uncertainty these feelings of i'm supposed to but can't um and and 
in this like in the season we're in. So many people feel I, I had a long, lengthy conversation with my uh, with my lead pastor today, and it was about how I feel like so many things have been taken from me uh, that are like tools, basically for ministry. You know, like I I normally have these tools in my tool bag to do ministry, and many of them have been taken away, and I don't have control over that, and. The control pieces, you know, just like, I was just like deeply disturbing to me, you know. Um, and then I'm like, that's how I should be. But then in that moment, like we, as we, he was kind of directing me through some prayer. It was like, that's really the things that I should be praying. The, the, like, but according to John here, by the way, I was praying as I was telling him all these things that, you know, like God was in the room and heard. Um, so, yeah, I think. I think if we opened ourselves up to some, you know, any a lectionary book of prayer, uh, this resource, there are some immediately applicable. If we just recognize our, the situation we're in and sit in a little bit, I think it's immediately applicable. But uh, so, yeah, as far as the as far as the book is concerned, again, we will have uh, we'll have a link. We'll link to it in our show notes. Uh, show notes. Dudes and Dads <laughs> dot com. Yep, that's right. It'll be all over the. John's going to sell millions of copies <laughs> of this. Um, well, if, yeah. if I were good, Joel, I would say, well, you should be reading one of my two Advent books, not my. But yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway, John's got many books. In fact, well, you know, well, let's just link all the books. Let's just all his whole his whole all of his books will be on over at dudesanddadspodcast dot com. Um, so the other thing, John, is we're uh, is we're talking here. And you brought it up. I mean, so all of, we haven't said this overtly. Uh, John does have his PhD in uh, is it rhetorical studies, communication studies, rhetoric. I I always want to use the fancy words. Rhetorical theory and Re- criticism. There we go. <laughs> yes. Mm. Uh, University of University of, University of Texas. Is that right? Yep. UT Austin. U- I knew, so I was in for the horns. Um, and. Uh, so John, I my sense is that we are living in a time of difficult communication, uh, and I don't have to spend very long on. I, I've there's been a few days here recently. I've been like I'm taking Facebook off, and I'm never going to return to it. Um, but specifically, I've been thinking a lot about how followers of Jesus are talking to other followers of Jesus or other non-followers of Jesus, how they are communicating with them in this season that we're in, and how much of the communication saddens my heart, and I'm trying to understand as not just as a pastor, not just as a a theologian, whatever, but just as as a fellow Jesus follower, what I can do to help what I see as broken communication between between folks. Um, what's your sense, John? I mean, what are what are you seeing right now? What do you uh, apart from the and you know, good Sunday school answer is that you know we we need Jesus. We need we need the the power of Christ in all of these things. What do we need to be doing as Jesus followers to promote? Uh, I, I guess first of all. What's the illness at work here, and and what is the what is the healing, uh, the healing hope and the the fix, quote unquote fix? Not that it's a perfect one, but what do we need to be paying attention to? What can we do? What are you noticing? Uh, you're the communication uh, expert, so 
listen to how well I'm articulating this right now. It's so great. So fluid. Uh, anyway, what, what do you, what do you think about the mess, the mess that that's out there? Um, I share your sadness and your frustration. Um, cause as I read the, um, I go to Jesus prayer for, um, last conversation with the disciples and then as prayer for the, the disciples and for those that follow. And there's this clear articulation of, if you love me, keep my commands. And here's my command that you love one another. And um, our inability to understand how to be loving um, um, for all of us and each of us um, is, is a huge problem. Um, and I think that I think that we spend so much time trying to respond or react. Um, it's more reacting. Um, and we think that we have to talk and we think that we have to make points in arguments. Um, and, um, we think that sharing something, so liking something or clicking share on something without even um, exploring the truth of it um, um, counts as something. And yet every time we do that, it's creating barriers and divides and, and that kind of stuff. I, uh, I decided Mm, it's more than a decade ago, so probably a decade and a half ago, um, that I will not talk about what I believe on political positions at all. Um, and I once had an elder at a church I was in say, okay, I understand that you don't want to do that, but just tell me. Right. Um, and, <laughs> right. and my reason for that is if I am supposed to be representing Jesus Christ, in my words and actions, I screw that up enough as it is. And if I have to add in other kinds of things to that that will be divisive in ways that have nothing to do with the kingdom, um, I'm creating things that are, that are awful. Um, and so, um, so it's hard for me, it's hard for people to figure, figure out what denomination I'm part of and I'm happy with that. Um, it's hard for people to figure out political parties. It's hard for people to figure out um, what teams or sports I like. Um, I mean, I'll come down hard on, um, on um, yellow cake with chocolate frosting. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, <laughs> not expect that. Did you? <laughs> However, for my birthday last week, um, we had pie. Yes. Because most of the people in my family um, like pie, um, I don't need to eat a whole cake myself, um, and um, I'm perfectly happy eating Nancy's pie as well. And I think that that too often we um, we work too hard to win argumentative points, um, and we're not trying to figure out relational kinds of things. And so I think that that um, in my work as a chaplain, what I realize is the person in front of me is the person that I have to care about. 
um, chaplaincy is an in the moment kind of thing because you never know what's happening. And so you got to deal with the thing that's right in front of you. Yep. Um, and so um, my best work is how um, we often say, how do I, um, how can we best help people on the worst day of their lives? Well, that's about love. And so if rather than, than constantly trying to win points, we're looking at the person in front of us and saying, how can I love this person? It doesn't scale. Yeah. At all. Yep. Um, but I don't think love is about scaling. Mm. Um, Jesus never says love as many people as you can. It's, are you loving? Yeah. So I put this person in front of you. Are you going to love this one? Mm. I put this person in front of you. Are you going to love this one? Yeah. I think it goes back to, I mean, part of it is, you know, this question of who is my neighbor. And it seems in the context that Jesus is talking about, it's like, who, who is, is who, who's, who's right in front there, of you? Yeah. Who is in front yeah. of you in that, in that moment? Um, Cause we want, we want hard shaped rules. I think about who am I supposed to get along with and who am I not supposed to get along with? And uh, you know, and for me, for me personally, I mean, and John, I know you probably secretly know this, and uh, but you were very Anabaptisty there for a, for a hot second. And so I just I appreciated that. It spoke to my heart because you were on you were on my te- you were clearly on my team for a for a second. Um, but but there is a like a, and, and friends. I just I want to say this, and whether those of you listening that are are you know are followers of Jesus or not, and Andy and I have always said we don't call this a, a Christian podcast, but we are two Christians that are are talking about what's important to us, and obviously this is important. To this us. is important right. to us. Um, you know, we yeah the the need to be right. It seems very important culturally right now, and and I. I just want to say the need to love people well needs to take, we just, we have to get back to that being a, a precedent and, and have I loved, have I loved people well? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I entered in conversation, you know, I, I've got a few conversations that I think are probably up in my horizon that I'm probably not looking forward to. Um, and the thing that I'm, I'm asking myself right now is, um, will, how will those people, those individuals know that they are loved when I enter into that conversation with them. And the answer to that is probably different for each, every one of, I mean, it's slightly different for each one of them. Um, so it's like communication. I mean, obviously you, John's got a PhD in it, so we can just go ahead and say, uh, communication takes some work. There are multiple components to it. We have to be some, we have to be thoughtful, which it seems like thoughtful communication is at times in uh, short supply, uh, around us. Um, but yeah, what do you what do you uh, what do you think, John? Well, I want to add something. Yeah, actually, two things there. Um, one of them is um, we forget that the misunderstanding that we have is a result of the fall. It's a result of Babel, and so we have these dreams that if only I could just do it this way, we would. And it's like. No, that's, that's not <laughs> going to happen. Yeah. Um, the second piece of that, however, is that on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit um, brings understanding across massive cultural boundaries. And so um, our selfishness is part of the misunderstanding that's necessarily there and will be till the end of time. 
but God's interest is in helping people understand, particularly um, as it makes people aware of him and his healing and his power. And so um, God's in favor of um, relationship. Yeah. Now, here's the, here's the other piece. So that was actually only one. The second piece is this. Um, the number of times that I'm in a hospital, I'm visiting with somebody who has come in an emergency situation. Um, in the course of conversation, I say, so do you have a congregation that you're part of? And they say, I used to, mm. but, and then they'll tell me these things that happened. But then I say, you know, that's fine. This is not an audit. This is a, I'm, um, <laughs> Sometimes it's a wanting to find out how to pray. Um, but I also find that then when I talk with God in their presence, the number of times they end up in tears, mm -hmm. not because I make people cry, but because um, they, have, they have this realization that church is part of how God works, um, and churches are part of how God works, but God mostly loves them. Yeah, amen. cares about them. And in this moment, He's not worried about the buildings and stuff. He wants them. Yeah. Um, and so um, that's where I'm. It's the opposite of liturgical prayer. Um, but in that moment, saying, um, "Yeah, God, Joel and Andy are doing their best to figure this out, and they are working really hard." And um, they're doing really good, but they're running into these issues. And um, I don't know what they are, but you know what they are, God. And can you help them um, give them a wisdom that, that goes beyond everything, anything they ever imagined? Which is what James says to do, ask for wisdom. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then when we have that idea that never, ever popped into our mind before, it's entirely possible that that's God answering that prayer for wisdom. Yeah. Um, and I, going back to, to talking with, with kids about prayer, that's a, that's a way to do it. So what are the things God says to ask for? Well, wisdom, okay. Um, peace that makes no sense. So in moments that, that it makes no sense to have peace, well, let's, let's tell God about these things. And then let's find out if in the pit of our stomach there is something opposite of um, that fear. Yeah. Um, yeah. So John's uh, alluded to a few things here as far as, you know, positions he's been in a chaplaincy, but what, John, what do you, uh, first of all, let's just ask, let's ask the baseline question. What in the world do chaplains do? What, uh, and maybe that's a broad question. Maybe it looks different at different, in different settings or different places. Uh, but broadly speaking, what, I mean, maybe we just say from your perspective, like, What's the goal of a chaplain? Why why are they there? What are they there for? And uh, what are maybe some things that that y'all engage in that are lesser known? You know, behind the green curtain, as I like to say. Um. Yeah, I think how we do it is different than how lots of places do it. Uh, so, um, I can speak from my experience. Um, one of the things that we try to to do is to be. Um, a non-invasive intentional presence. Uh, so we're not coming in to try and give answers. We're often um, trying to be with people as they're trying to figure out answers. 
Uh, and I think that um, many of our tools are um, our silence, um, our listening. Um, in our place, uh, chaplains show up um, anytime somebody comes into the ER um, with an accident, uh, with a stroke, with a heart attack, um, um, post-arrest, those kinds of things. And we're the ones who um, make sure for sure that family has been notified, um, that um, um, we used to have to lock up valuables, but right now with, with restrictions, that's a little bit of a different thing. Um, we connect with family um, if they come in without a name. Um, so if they come in as a doe, we're the ones that help find their name. Um, we will do um, lots of interfacing with staff um, and then sometimes actually talking to the patients, but lots of times they, they aren't able to talk. So we're that connection out to other people. Um, we show up every time there's a death. Um, so we're the ones that are the, um, what funeral home are you going to want to use? Um, so we have that administrative component and the component of this is hard. Mm -hmm. um, um, I'm sorry for your loss. Uh, and so um, in those deaths, we're there, um, again, to be present, um, to actually help people move away from having to make sense of it in the moment because it's um, really hard to make sense of anything in that moment of death. Um, we... Um, um, we sometimes actually show up when somebody wants somebody to pray with them before surgery. Um, we are sometimes part of um, uh, when somebody is having a vent withdraw withdrawn, um, they're being taken off a ventilator or other breathing apparatus, um, family wants us to stand there with them. Um, so um, we are often caring for um, other coworkers um, because um, especially right now where visitors have not been able to be around as much. Um, so when I'm sitting next to a nurse um, after a family member has just died and the family can't be there, so they're at a distance, so the nurse is talking to them and then I'm talking to them. After we hang up, then I turn and talk to the nurse because the family is feeling terrible because their loved one one died alone and what i know is that for the last three hours this nurse has been there mm. keeping them from being alone yeah um so there's that kind of care which again is listening it's um, um acknowledging that this is hard uh, it's a it's a um, we try to figure out in ministry how to make things scale so we try to figure out how do we get more impact and how do we get more people um, and how do we get more offerings um, of events, more offerings sometimes too. Yeah, but, that too. Yeah. But more offerings of events, more programmatic things. And in chaplaincy, it's like the opposite of that. Um, we're, we're saying, okay, in this moment, um, life sucks for you um, and I'm here. Yeah. Um, and... By virtue of my being here, God is here. Um, so it's not, and I think lots of times people think that chaplaincy is an evangelism thing. 
So it's like, uh, I never had a chance to talk to this person about Jesus, but you're there. So would you go see him and tell them all about Jesus? Right. Um, and I'm kind of like, wait, they know you. Right. <laughs> um, and they've been talking to you for like your whole life. Um, why, you know, so if, if I came back from the dead, why would that be helpful to them? You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So John, as you were, yeah, going from, you know, you've been in uh, vocational ministry as a pastor for a, a good, a good set of time. And then, and then you transitioned into the chaplaincy. Um, what surprised you going from that ministry world to the ministry world you're in now in chaplaincy? Was there anything that surprised you or like caught you, caught you off guard or like things that you noticed that were in contrast to what you had previously done? Um, as I think about it, one of the things that was most surprising to me is that I could do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was moving from um, about 15 years of executive pastor role where you're trying to fix things, you're trying to anticipate, you're trying to um, be the person in the cracks um, all the time. And suddenly I'm in chaplaincy where it's in the moment uh, and it's life or death kinds of things. And... Um, nobody cares where the coffee maker goes. All you care about is how do you, how do you navigate this? Um, and I discovered that I actually could do that. So that was kind of a surprise. Um, another surprise is that pastoral care um, often is across a long time. So you have lifetimes to, to work with people. Um, you marry them, you, you um, dedicate their baby, you, you um, do the ceremony for that baby when they grow up. And in chaplaincy, often you are doing a whole lifetime of care in about 15 minutes to half an hour. Um, and so that, that shift from long-term into short intense um, was a surprise. I think another surprise was um, what we talk about as continuity of care, um, where I'm doing my piece and then I hand it off to another chaplain and then they hand it off to another chaplain. And so I don't have to be responsible for everything. Um, I think many of us in vocational ministry have the sense that we've got to hold it all together forever and there's nobody to hand off to and, and um, we're doing tough stuff, but we get to hand off to other people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. When, when it comes to uh, like, I, this is, I don't know how deep and penetrating a question this is, but uh, do you life, do you live life personally for yourself do you live life differently unto yourself and with others um differently so ha are things different now in light of your chaplaincy role is there it would is there been kind of a, any sort of lifestyle or perspective shift in kind of your 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 world outside of the hospital walls um yeah there, in a couple of different ways one of the ways is um church was work um, and now um, I'm not in a congregation as part of work and um, I have to be in the hospital every Sunday um, and Nancy comes in and plays the piano for the chapel service and there may not be anybody there so it feels like um, a small church on a Sunday night mm -hmm. when they used to be those services of one person does everything up in front and his wife comes and plays the piano and so that, <laughs> yeah. that feels really odd however it means that we are not part of another congregation, um, and it took a long time to find, um, to begin to find that. Um, a second component of that is um, 
the stuff that I deal with and then the stuff that Nance deals with vicariously is way different than a lot of other people are dealing with. Um, and so um, when I have finished a, sh a shift um, dealing with three deaths and I watched two of them happen, um, I kind of need to figure out how to talk about that. Yeah. Um, and um, so finding community to be able to talk about that um, is challenging. And so we end up um, talking amongst ourselves as chaplains. But I think that that, that becomes a, um, an interesting shift. Um, and then though I don't speak politically, um, when I'm in a situation where I watch people with a particular diagnosis that people are saying, well, that's a hoax. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm, okay, but I just watched them die and I think they really did. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and I'm, I don't want to be make light of it, but, um, but so some of those things become challenges too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, so, we, yeah. yeah, we as a congregation have just navigated our first, our first death, uh, specifically. And as you are probably aware, Elkhart County is not doing great on the, on the COVID numbers. And, um, and I, uh, I'll be honest with you, John, I am, I am really prayerfully asking the question what my role is to help everybody enter in being, being arm in arm together in this, in this this thing that just seems like it could really rip us apart if we're not, uh, if we're not being intentional about some things. And so, uh, you meant, I mean, as you mentioned, there are real things, people are, I guess, if nothing else, people are really dying or becoming very, very close to death or having long-term implications to their health because of, of what is happening here. So that's, uh, that's a, a real, a real thing. So, but I think in that Joel is, is what's important to us in care. And that is, um, there's all of the swirling stuff, but at this moment, there is a family yeah. that's, from whatever the cause, is dealing with a death. Mm -hmm. yep. And there are questions in that family about whether they've caught it. And there are questions about what should they have done. And there are all those kinds of questions. And forget the rest of the, um, yeah. that's a real deep grief um, mm -hmm. issue. And I think that, that all of us in congregations, all of us as followers of Jesus have this opportunity to say, what does it look like to love in the middle of this chaos and loss and pain? Um, and part of it is just getting really better at acknowledging that this is hard. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, there's no verse that takes away the fact that this is hard. Yeah. Yeah, Amen. Well, we want to thank you for, for coming out uh, to our, our show today. Um, we really appreciate uh, both your your thoughts on prayer and your thoughts on chaplaincy that you've experience, your experienced and shared with us tonight. Uh, thanks again for being on our show tonight. Thanks. It's awesome. <laughs> Before we let you go, though. <laughs> we, have, we have a little bit of punishment that we have to put every guest through. Oops. Oh, that wrong. is not <laughs> that's not the punishment. <laughs> the, cr the crickets are a good sound effect, though. They are, but that's not what I wanted to do. Okay, anyways. Uh, here we go. Now it's time for Dudes and Dads Pop Quiz. Uh, you know what? That's what happens when your soundboard gets rebooted in there the middle go. of the recording. There we go. Um, anyways, so th if you've not joined us before, the Dudes and Dads Pop Quiz is just a time where Joel and I like to ask our guests five or six or seven questions, just random questions that we want to get to know them better. So that's, that's right. And because we, these people, 
these people are real people. They have, they have deep, dark secrets that we're trying to uncover. And uh, we may not get there with John tonight, but we are going to ask him some random <laughs> questions and we'll see what, we'll I, see what happens. I know not to ask him political party or religious affiliation yep. or he's pretty much eliminated right. all right. pop quiz questions right. that we could possibly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will go ahead and, and start here. Uh, John, when you uh, first started dating your wife, what was the first place that you guys went to a date on a date? Um, we went on our first date two weeks after we had decided to get married. Oh, okay. Um, and two weeks before we got engaged. All right. So, um, it was red lobster. <laughs> I like red lobster. Nothing says love like red lobster. As far as I'm concerned, uh, John, my question is going to be, uh, what is your, John is a runner, by the way, that did not actually come up in the interview, but he is a runner. John, what's the go-to running shoe for you? Uh, Brooks. I just got a new pair of Brooks Adrenalines. I um, used up, <laughs> wore out with about 600 miles, a pair of Adrenaline 18s, and now i am got a new pair of Adrenaline 20s for my birthday. Oh, so nice. exciting. Nice. You can see the excitement on his face. That's a true <laughs> runner right there. It's like, oh, yes. <laughs> All right. I know the answer to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you threw me off. I wasn't expecting uh, a running shoe I question. went running shoe. Yep. <laughs> uh, so my question would be uh, going to musical taste. What's your uh, favorite musical genre? Uh, I don't know because I gave up a lot of listening to music. All right. Um, so if you looked at my Pandora, one of the channels is a um, Mozart Bach channel, and the other one is a David Crowder channel, right. which has some The Fray mixed in and YouTube. As it would, because it kind of they kind of they do they go similar. hand in hand. Yeah. It makes sense, uh, John. Uh, what? What, uh, if you could say, uh, like who, okay, either, either, well, well, it's a two part question. I need an answer for both, uh, for both parts. Uh, your favorite communicator, um, both no longer living and currently living. So that's the one and two piece. What mm. do you think? Um, probably. Um, Eugene Peterson um, for the deceased. Um, You've stumped him. Um, um, I have a really hard time picking stuff currently. Yeah. However, <laughs> uh, duly noted. <laughs> um, probably um, Guy Raz. Yes. Um, who does um, how I built this as a podcast um, used to do the Ted radio hour. Um, and what impresses me is his capacity to ask questions. He also, uh, he also does the, uh, the what in the world. So it's a kid's uh, it's a kid's show through NPR wow po a podcast. Wow in the world. Wow in the world. Yeah. 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 My, my kids love it. And it was so funny is, I never thought I didn't realize it was Guy Raz at first because he's so animated and like creative. <laughs> and when he's, it's so interesting. He's got many voices. He kind of covers the, yeah, yeah, that's cool. All right. So my last question and Joel, you can ask, keep asking away, but this is okay. my last question gotcha. here. Uh, what do you do on your free time? So when you get out of the hospital, you come home after you've decompressed a little bit, what do you do? Well, running, but what besides running would you say is your, is a free time activity for you? Um, 
spending time with Nancy. Uh, so we walk, um, uh, <laughs> we, we watch, um, um, HGTV or DIY and I rub her feet and she falls asleep. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's romance. The dudes and dads kind of thing. That's yeah, right. So. Thank you. You, that's good advice, by the way, for everybody listening, just rub your wife's feet. Come on. Jackie doesn't like me touching her feet. However, I should just mention that. So that's been off the table. See, for but, f- but for me, I rub Julie's feet, but then I fall asleep. <laughs> so as we're watching TV, so I don't know that that's a romantic option gotcha. for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, my concluding, my concluding question, uh, will be, um, uh, Oh, this is, you know what? This is an interesting way to ask this, John, what book should I be reading right now? Um, uh, a book that you should be reading is uh, Rob Mall, M-O-L-L. Um, I can't remember if it's called Dying Well. Um, something, or The Art of Dying, I think it is. Um, Rob was a writer for CT and some other people, uh, mountain climber, uh, and I think it was last summer he fell and died. Uh, but as part of his time at CT, he wrote um, this book, The Art of Dying Well, or something like that, that helps us think through um, um, some of the realities of dying. Um, so I think that that's, that's a good book to be reading. Um, um, the I've Seen the End of You by Lee Warren. Um, Lee is a surgeon, um, a neurosurgeon. Um, and does a really good job of um, facing death kinds of things. <laughs> this tells you something about me. <laughs> and then, and then the third one is um, um, no matter how small. Um, one of my colleagues and his wife just wrote that about miscarriage and stillbirth. And it's not the book to read when you're in the middle of that. Um, but if you are working with people who are walking through that, it's, um, a really good book to be reading. Yes. Well, and if you know anything about this show, uh, yeah, infant loss, stillbirth is a, uh, a topic near and dear, right? Our, our family, uh, experienced it. Uh, so with the death of my, the fourth child of mine. So, yeah. And we, uh, and we always like to plug, uh, and we we're heavy supporters of of the organization hope mommies which uh has a chapter here in northern indiana mm-hmm. and um we uh yeah so that's a that's a great topic actually just to uh we've we've talked about it previously here but uh and i would because i would just say this is not part of the pop quiz but uh the the whole uh child loss community is a is a kind of a secret community but there it's it is prevalent and surprisingly prevalent actually and so we have a we have a heart for for all that so no matter how small okay so i got three book rec- see do you see how i baited him into this you i got three book recommendations yeah and um we're part of that community too so okay. yes years years ago i started to or i wrote i'm not much of a poem writer just a prayer writer um, but wrote a poem called Welcome to the Club. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's that, um, yeah, there's no secret handshake, no. Um, but it's a secret heartbreak. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. yeah, it's so, good. Yeah. John, um, my friend, thank you a million times over for talking with us. Uh, this has been, I, I don't, 
this has been a little bit of a dream of mine to have <laughs> to have you on and uh just to we're we're just grateful that you can kind of share um some things with us uh the perspective is helpful and we're gonna again i said for our congregation i the book on prayer the uh actually many of the resources are super helpful uh john let's see you you've got two websites so you're over you blog over at 300 words a day yep 300 words a day.com and then i write about um care kinds of stuff at socialmediachaplain.com yes and so yes and he's got the mug which every everybody has to have the mug that's good <laughs> So, John, uh, we're grateful for you. We're thankful for the ministry that you're engaged in. And uh, we just want to say thanks for being with us, my friend. Oh, thanks for the opportunity. You bet. This was awesome. Thanks. Guys, you can check all of our show notes out and all of the other episodes over at dudesanddadspodcast.com. We would love to hear from you, our listeners. If you get a chance, go ahead and open up your email client and send an email to dudesanddadspodcast at gmail.com. Joel, any closing thoughts? Uh, First of all, I can tell that you're in IT because you said email client. And uh, (laughs) secondly, I just want to say we're grateful for all of you guys for checking in with us, tuning in. Can't wait to talk to you next time. Until later, my friends. Grace Grace and and peace. peace.